Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast. Today, we bring you the Sunday message from September 12th, 2020, titled, What We Have Always Misunderstood About the Prodigal. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. Christ Table is a ministry designed for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. We're a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. Today's message is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Let's dig in. So I want to begin today with telling you a story from Luke chapter 15. Actually, it's Jesus' story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry, though, wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything that I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So this passage, The Prodigal Son, is pretty well known. It's a classic. In fact, more people know the story of The Prodigal Son than who know that it comes from the Bible itself, I think. 
it may well be the greatest short story of all time. Now, my wife, who's a librarian and an English teacher, says that many people believe actually the greatest short story of all time is Richard Connell's 1924 work, The Most Dangerous Game. But my vote's actually going to be for the prodigal. It's all the pieces there that make a great short story. It includes an amazing parental figure, the father, a remarkably stupid son, the prodigal, of course, and it's all pretty cut and dry. And the sermons on the subject of the prodigal son usually take a pretty harsh and critical tone with the kid. And well, that's pretty understandable, right? As many preachers over the years have pointed out, by asking for his inheritance ahead of time, this snotty-nosed young brat of a son is essentially telling dear old dad, I wish you were dead. Since you won't hurry up and die, though, dad, I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of live like your dad. I'm going to take the money. And I'm going to run. And he does run to the far country. My version actually says a distant land. What Jesus says here, though, is basically the son gets as far from home as humanly possible. And then he goes just a bit further than that. We aren't actually told what dad did to make son number two go all prodigal. I guess we get to fill in the blanks on our own. And we all think that we know the story from there, right? I mean, you're probably already tuning me out on this. Ugh, the prodigal son. I roll. What's next week? John 3.16, Pastor Kevin? Well, not so fast. Because I'm guessing that you've got the story all wrong. Because, well, for a long time, I've gotten this story all wrong as well. Here's where we tend to go off the rails a bit with the story. Well, maybe actually more than a bit off the rails with the story. Well-meaning preachers tend to add insult to injury at this point by serving up a salacious commentary as to what the kid does with the money once he got as far away as he humanly could from his dad. Now, my version, the New Living Translation, says the prodigal wastes his money on wild living. Now, the NIV and the NASB also say wild living as well. The ESV says reckless living, and the RSV says loose living. The venerable old King James, though, it says riotous living. Now, all of these mean, of course, pretty much the exact same thing. It's a biblically kind of way of saying that he got into sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but mostly sex and drugs and mostly sex. The problem is, though, it's just not true. None of those words, phrases, or ideas are actually anywhere there in the original Greek text. Shock face. Jesus is the one telling this story. And in the original Greek, Jesus never actually says that the son did any of those things. Nothing wild, nothing loose, nothing riotous or reckless, no sex, no drugs, not even rock and roll. Nothing. Zilch. Nada. Now, wait, Dr. Young, you say, and actually I prefer Pastor Kevin or or just Kevin, wait, wait, you say, then where did all of those things come from? Well, we do actually know why they were inserted there in the text. We know exactly from whence they weaseled their way into the story of the prodigal. They come from, drumroll, you got it? The older brother, gasp. Right. Remember the older brother at the end of the story. There is another brother, brother number one, numero uno. 
he makes an appearance there at the end. When the prodigal son returns home, the older brother shouts down his dad by saying this, all of these years I have slaved for you, and in that time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. It's kind of probably saying, you made me look bad. You're always doting on this younger son and his friends, but never once did you do anything for me and my friends. Yet when this son of yours, and he won't even refer to him as his brother or by his name, so you can tell he doesn't really like him and hasn't liked him and maybe actually never liked him at all. When this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And there it was right there. It's actually the older brother who starts the rumor that we've got a young Hugh Hefner on our hands here. So the translators of our English versions just assumed, and you know what happens when you assume, the translators of our versions just assumed that this was what the prodigal was doing in the far country. And they just took the words right out of the jealous older brother's mouth and insert them right into Jesus' mouth. I guess they thought they'd just, you know, help Jesus out with the story just a bit. See, Jesus, there. We fixed it. We cleared this one up for you. You're welcome. And don't even get me started about people putting words into Jesus' mouth. I'll, I'll go over the time limit that we have this morning and I'll miss the in-person gathering. But, I mean, first, this makes me angry. It really does. Because how did the older brother know what the younger son was doing in the far country? How did he know? He didn't. He couldn't have. First of all, the older brother and the younger son, the prodigal, they've, they've not had a conversation at all. This is clear. Also, the older brother wouldn't even come into the house. He's so mad. He's not even seen his brother. And I doubt that the younger brother was Snapchatting or tip-talking his journey out into the distant land. So the older brother just... He just outright makes it up. Honestly, in my mind, it was probably projection. The older brother was probably the one who had girls on the side, but he just couldn't resist the opportunity to make himself look good. And he does it by making innocent others hear his brother look bad. So he lies. But I mean, come on. <laughs> Who's ever trusted a sibling to tell the truth about their brother and sister? Siblings are notorious for spinning the truth to their own advantage, especially to their parents. And this is exactly what the brother does to his younger sibling. And the English translators, well, they've been conned by the vindictive slander of an older brother for far too long. So, since I'm almost out of time here, let's just cut to the chase. What did the prodigal son spend his dad's fortune on? Well, Jesus simply says that he spent his money without hanging on to it. I know. I know. It's not very sexy, right? But it's what the Greek text says. Jesus doesn't say he spent his money on loose living, but Jesus says that he spends his money, and here it is, on non-living. He spent his money on not living with his father. You see, his sin doesn't really lie in sensuous evenings with women of ill repute. No, honestly, his sin is actually much, much more worse than that. Much serious. His sin is in abandoning his father's house 
but I don't get the sense that he really wanted to abandon his father. His father really seems pretty amazing, right? I think he was probably abandoning his brother. I really think that's what's going on here. He just simply couldn't live with his brother. Home wasn't a safe space. I wonder if he simply just could not take his brother anymore. I mean, that dude was toxic. Toxic. So the younger son makes a decision that in order to avoid living with the brother, he would also have to stop living with his father. Life away from his brother meant a life out of relationship with his father. You see, he ended up placing more value on what he could get from his father than actually the value of a relationship with his father that required, though, that he deal with difficult people, his brother. So in this way, there actually are two prodigals in the story because, you see, both sons really only valued what they could get out of their father more than they actually valued the relationship with their father. Both the older son and the younger son seem to not place value on just being in relationship with their father, but what their father could actually provide for them to make their lives easier. And so both of their sins are equally serious and both of their sins are equally egregious. Actually, neither one of them wanted to live in relationship with each other. This is why a better title for this parable is the lost son or maybe even the lost sons. Because part of being in the father's house means actually finding ways to get along as best we can. The text never even actually calls him a prodigal. Can you believe that? We're actually slandering him by calling him the story of the prodigal son. For all intents and purposes, God's family is church family. Now, not a building, but a people. And far too many people have decided to never be a part of a faith community or around faith-filled people, again, because they just couldn't stand that some older brother types of people are part of the family or because they were jealous of how the younger brother types in the church always seem to get everything. You know, it seems that God is big into relationships. God made you for relationship. He made me for relationship, for up-close engagement, for the give and take that unfolds whenever two beings interact on a deeper level. You see, the parable is not a rebuke for loose living. The parable is an assurance that God wants everyone to come in, to sit at the table with him, and to join the party. God's house, God's church, God's people are to be about the party, or to be about the celebration. God loves everyone. God loves each prodigal. God loves each older brother in lavish and extravagant ways. Don't be a prodigal. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God's people. Don't give up on the Father. No matter how harshly you've been treated by others in your Father's house. Today's message is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to know more about us, visit www.christtable.today. We'd love to have you join us. 
You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to Christ Table, be sure to visit our email address sign-up list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. If you'd like to watch a live video of our service and Bible studies, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is Christ Table 